welcome back to Cast Me to Hell with me, Seb. And with me, Robbie. And this week we delve into the Mayday Madness, the Summer Solstice, as we sing some jaunty little <laughs> tunes and we praise the Wicker Man. Yeah, we are celebrating. I think this is the 50th anniversary. 50th isn't anniversary, it? Yeah, yeah. 50th anniversary of, a, of an all time classic and one that we surprisingly thought would be on our musty horror picture uh, poster, but it's actually not, which is really quite strange to me. Yeah, so, yeah, obviously this is this was planned to be, we will focus on this as a uh, 50th anniversary kind of special, it was going to be a musty horror, but, uh, yeah, it's really weird that it's not on this list. We have uh, talked about our musty horrors several times, but it's it's a bit odd that there are certain films on there that we've both looked at and gone, how is that, like, over yeah. the Wicker Man, <laughs> considered, what, how, is, how is Death Race 2000? <laughs> Go check out that episode if you haven't. But how was Death Race 2000 <laughs> yeah, on over the list? Wicker Man. Over yeah. the Wicker Man or uh, many others that are coming your way. I think like stuff like Annabelle, the first one's on there. Bird which, Box. Yeah, just <laughs> like what, like so, someone in this, whoever made this list, I, I, I said I kind of like it purely because it's such left wing choice. Some of them are so random. They're films yeah. that we probably never even would have thought about even watching. Whereas the Wicker Man would have come up at some point. Yeah, anyway, definitely. But they're so like left wing. They're films I probably never would have thought of. So I kind of like it for that reason. But I also at the same time feel like this was made by some random person. Who's like, right, we need to make a poster. So someone just googled like a hundred great films, looked down some of it, got bored, and written some horror movies, and then just went, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, these ones will do. Like they just started writing in words like death (laughs) (laughs) or horror or scary, and they were like. Yeah, there you go. And, that works. And they've made a hundred must-see horrors, many of which, uh, to start with on that list, we've mainly gone with they are must-see. But like, looking at the list again now, I'm starting to think we're going to have quite a few that are like, yeah. would I say they're the hundred greatest? <laughs> no. It's going to start to narrow it down. <laughs> it is. We will start to break that down. But this isn't a must-see horror, although I would say that this should be, and it's part of that, yeah. <laughs> is um, 1973's The Wicker Man. So to give you the old stats, give a bit of that structure. Yeah, give us those which stats. We never have. No. <laughs> um, directed by Robin Hardy, uh, screenplay by Anthony Schaffer, and starring Edward Woodward. <laughs> Let's try and say that three can, times yeah. quick. Yeah, I can Edward. have it. <laughs> um, Eklund and Christopher Lee as the main kind of actors. We've got Edward Woodward as Sergeant Neil Howie. We've got uh, Christopher Lee as Lord Summerisle and Britt Eklund as Willow McGregor, uh, who is the kind of weird-looking landlady Land- kind of landlord, isn't he? Who's oh no! Oh no! That's uh, his daughter. That's Willow. his daughter McGregor. Um, yeah, there is also there's the there's the male McGregor. I think uh, Lindsay Kemp is the Alder McGregor. Ah, is his yes. name Alder McGregor and Willow McGregor? <laughs> yeah. So um, as I mean, before we get into the film. Uh, thank you for checking out the show if you haven't remember to hit that subscribe button uh, and please leave us a lovely review we yet again got into the top 50 tv film and history uh on apple Podcasts. so big shout out big love uh so remember to hit that subscribe button now the wick man were you like familiar with this film like how how often had you seen this or have this, you seen it this is one of those ones that I I feel like I've always known the Wick, uh, Wicker yeah. Man 
I know for a fact that my dad actually this is one this is what like was one of his like favorite films actually of all time. So I've heard about the Wicker Man a lot, and I have seen the Wicker Man before a very long time ago. I, I kind of messaged you. <laughs> I remember half of what I remember was Britt Eklund's landlord lady <laughs> dancing nude around the room, yeah. like when I was an impressionable young teen boy. <laughs> you definitely beat off to it as well. <laughs> I, I 100% am sure. That there's no way that I wouldn't have probably been... Even what, watching it now, it's still like, oh, hello. Like, that's a, that's an it interesting off. scene. Like, yeah. um, with, um, with the man next... With the, the ha- the Sergeant Howie just like dry humping the walls. Kind yeah. Of thing. I like I wasn't sat next to you to see your glazed over eyes. Yeah. <laughs> watching it. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I, I'd, I'd seen this and I'd maybe seen parts of it. And I, it is because it is, it's a, it's a British kind of classic yeah. kind of horror. Um, it probably is seen as one of the greatest British horrors of all time. Um, and it, it's such an unusual film. And it's not till revisiting now there is, I gotta be a lot of this. The ending is a lot of what I remember. The nudity, and yeah. the ending apparently, is what I remember. The ending obviously serves as such, and it is one of the probably not only in terms of for la- like uh, last week we did plot twists, yeah, and this would fit on this that list oh, perfectly. Yeah. This is a hell of a plot twist at the end, but not only that, it's an impactful one. It it's is insane. a brutal watch at the end of this film. Yeah. Many films have tried to copy this film. And do this film. One film basically took most of it. Midsummer took yeah. most of this film. Like the structure well, of this film is so yeah. close to that in that way. Different in some ways, yes, but um, it's definitely so inspired yeah. by this film. Um, but it's yeah, it's such an impactful ending in this film. But there's also a lot that kind of plays out, and it's it's such a weird kind of film. Yeah. Like, the, there's a lot of music, a lot more oh, music than yeah. I remember. There was music running throughout these old folklore shanties, kind of yeah. like play for out. And a lot of them kind of have quite a lot of meaning to the subtext of actually what's going on, or the yeah. sacrificial kind of May Day, summer solstice kind of part yeah, of the story. Vibe. Yeah, they all kind of play. They all basically sound like what we probably would have heard of when we were in like, <laughs> I don't know, primary school when they used to do like. The weird shit as British kids that we forget that we probably saw or did part in that we yeah once you once you're away from like a young primary school once you're into secondary school you kind of forget this stuff ever happened but there's like um, maypole dancing and stuff yeah. like that. they used to do that at my primary school and they used to talk about that I think even at secondary school my German teacher used to be the leader <laughs> of like a maypole dancing thing which if anyone's not aware of it it's basically like a dance where they have different color strings and they go around a yeah. pole and make and again, it, it it sounds like someone's about to be sacrificed. Maybe they were. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why we had such lovely harvests. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, weirdly enough, you mentioned that because um, Dicky, my uh, my friend, yeah. his his sister is in like uh, Maypole like dance thing, and recently she was at the Brit Awards for doing dance like a May style dance for oh, really? Wet Leg. It's really weird. And then she just went on to win the Chelsea Flower Show or something like that. Really strange. Yeah, um, uh, it, uh, bizarre. These fake. these are British things that I feel that other countries would look at and go like, what the... F-? Like, uh, like it, whether it's the Maypole dancing or an Irish jig yeah. or like just a lot of them would look at it and go like, you know, what the fuck? Yeah. Apart from maybe in like Texas. Right? Their dances <laughs> are pretty weird too. Yeah. No, I love a light dance, man. Um, <laughs> Beautiful light dance. But... 
kind of touching on what you said a bit. So recently I've been watching um, The Last Kingdom and this does link in with this film. Yeah. And in that, quite a lot of the themes in it are Christianity hmm. and paganism, you know, yeah. and, and druidism and that kind of alternative religion and, and nature living off the land being, you know, all of that. And I, I, I remember watching this documentary when I was uh, at my grandparents' house or my granddad's house, maybe twenty years ago. Yeah. And it was about the uh, most shocking moments in horror movies or the best horror movies. I can't remember, but I was that young. Yeah. And the two that I remember were Shivers because it was about um, people who go sex crazed and yeah, like yeah. shag each other to death. And I remember being like it ten. Impressive young boy. Is that what I should do? Well, I was more watching it with my parents and granddad, so I was like, this is really uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> Especially when yeah. you started whacking. Yeah, when I started beating up. <laughs> when they started beating up. In the up. middle of the room. <laughs> granddad, what are you doing? I took it to one level, you just took it to the next level. Yeah. I was like, well, I was just like a young ch- a young boy finding himself in an awkward situation. You, you added granddad. Yeah, like, granddad, <laughs> stop beating off. Um, and the other was the wicker man. Yeah. And it was the ending, and yeah. it obviously it stuck out to me as being like terrifying and like what the fuck. Um, and then obviously we watched the, the Nicolas Cage remake, uh, which was a classic. <laughs> and um, it's a classic for all the wrong re- for all the wrong fair, reasons. Yeah. Revisited. I'd more. I'd probably been more recently <laughs> seen the that one oh, than yeah. I had seen the this one. Um, so now after years of being like. Uh, there's something enjoyable about it I kind of enjoyed parts of it for what it was Nicholas Cage being fucking insane oh, yeah. um, although I will admit upon rewatch I do I do realise how absolutely they absolutely just don't get it fucked it completely they, whoever directed it wrote the script for the American one they just didn't understand the con- it, it's something you can't you simply can't make that into an American film no I, it just doesn't work unless you really check I guess Midsummer is a, Midsummer an example is a kind of where equivalent. you've tried to like they've tried to do it but at least they understood the context of paganism and yeah. all of that they didn't get that at all if anything they they just the American one I believe they thought it was about someone who like they just got the context of a cop who goes to look for a child yeah and they didn't get I don't think they got the rest of it no <laughs> except for we need to burn him we, yeah we must burn him um, <laughs> the only thing they added was the honeybees which was a kind of a cool Cool. Addition only because mainly because of Nicolas Cage's reaction and the meme that followed. Yeah, although I've got I've got a, a slightly controversial opinion, but we'll get to it when we get to it. Um, but yeah, so this was the actual the first time I'd actually sat down and watched this film, mm. and like you said, there's so much that stuck out to me. Like it, it is beautifully shot. Like it looks yeah. incredible. I found certain kind of Kubrick about it. Yeah, very like long shots at times there's things that pop up in the background they're kind of following it it very much reminded me of those like the hallway scenes in in parts of the shining when you just see random characters in doorways and random characters yeah. in the, or when they walk into the room with the guy you know blowing the other guy in the, yeah in the you know what i mean like some of some of that but it also at the same time reminded me of something like last of the summer wine yeah it was well <laughs> this is classic like 70s and this ran into like literally like the mid 2000 like yeah like um but like this old classic british I TV love show the and just about a bunch of like old lads getting up to mischief in the summer day <laughs> yeah. kind of thing um, it, this is classic is. british tv by yeah. the way. <laughs> like, like it worked but it but like 
like you said, it is a bit last of the summer wine. It opens up. And I remember, I was thinking, like, okay, I know it's a horror film. I know it's a folk horror film from the 70s. Yeah. So I was expecting, I don't know, like, soundtrack-wise, maybe not much. Mm. Or something kind of a bit weird. But instead, it's, at moments, it's like a Simon and Garfunkel music video. <laughs> like, the, there was one song, the opening song, which is like an acoustic one. And they're going on about, like... Corn rigs and barley. And yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Is this they a horror are, film? Have I yeah, got they, are film like, they are like classic kind of shanty kind of style. Yeah. Like, um, even occasionally like words and things like you'd recognise maybe more in like nursery rhymes or things like that are yeah. kind of played into the song. They're these classic folklore, British like folklore kind of tales that they tell through these kind of shanty kind of songs. Yeah. And they play out like throughout majority of the film has some kind of musical shanty kind of music going on. Yeah. Even in some of the quiet scenes, they're still like dancing and singing. And I guess because the musical element is a major part within like these kind of festivals, like I yeah. said, like the Maple and stuff, the musical element is a huge part of that. These kind of old songs. This was celebration. I feel like you, and again, I feel like these are songs you only heard when you were like a child or maybe even like, Britain in maybe the 70s through to the 90s or things like that. This yeah. was a very kind of Christian kind of thing. I feel like almost as a country, we've almost, not completely, but we've definitely distanced ourselves a little bit further away as time has gone on more and more from that kind of, you well, know, you don't see it as much. I feel I don't see it because I'm not at school. Anymore. Yes, <laughs> I am in the school. And it doesn't pop up as much even in a Christian school. I, I still don't feel it's quite as... Um, do you still do hymns each day? We still do hymns. Nice. But I'm even the that. hymns have updated themselves a bit like over time. We don't do quite as many. When I first joined my school, there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of ones that I was like, oh, I remember singing. This is a classic. As I was like, you know, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, yeah, all of the all of those songs. You just like, okay, but they have kind of modernised a little bit, and there's no like odd like, come on, kids and dance and come around yeah. the maypole and all that kind of. Not as much, but it is still part of our culture. It's still a part of our history. Yeah, um, and the music here gives a real kind of sense that you're in this old, you know, um, it. it it has rituals in this film where you're literally you're watching it and you're like, yeah, this this is the kind of stuff I expect to see if I go to some backwards black country area. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. You know, it is like kind of like black country, isn't it? Yeah, you know, like... it's the opposite to say American uh, werewolf in London when you go to more of that. Like that's more of the uh, they don't want you anywhere near yeah. the dark. This is more of the you go to it and they're oddly welcoming, but maybe not in the right way. Like when I was a when I was a kid, my my mum has a her, has a friend, and uh, I will not name any names or things like that. But I know for a fact she moved from like Gloucester, yeah, Gloucester, and then they moved out to like somewhere way out in the like proper country, kind yeah. Of thing. And like kids that I was friends of when I was a child, yeah. And, like at the time they're like my best friends, and by the time they grew up, like I'm not gonna lie, they grew up a bit like hippieish, a bit odd. And I know for a fact that I'd heard about the fact that they went to like. Uh, what is it fur parties or whatever it was yeah where basically people dress up in costumes and bang each other dressed like animals <laughs> oh like furry stuff yeah that, that so kind of fit because and I gotta be honest a lot of this I always put down to because they live in the middle of nowhere and there's literally nothing to do so they yeah. get weird yeah they get weird I gotta be honest and it's very and you, you might know that even anywhere you are in the world 
in America, I'm sure there's part there's there's so many parts that are secluded areas where you go out there and you go like that person was really fucking weird. That person's like definitely like banging I don't know their dog. <laughs> and it's like it's like what the fuck? And it's like you know what? Humans just humans are just odd. But when don't let humans go without contact for too long because we get weird. They start banging. We dogs. get weird. They start banging anything they can find. You know what I mean? Um, and this film gives you those kind of themes of like. This island has been left so secluded, they've got weird with it. They've let someone be in charge. They've thought Christopher Lee has come to their island. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lord Summer Isle has come to their island, and, he, or, and his grandfather's come to their island, and they've been like, you know what this island needs? More sex and more killings. Yeah. <laughs> like, we need this harvest. And there is a part of that kind of Christianity kind of when Christianity goes, and this is definitely something that saves certain parts. And especially Americans in say certain areas yeah. could definitely get down with is that when the religious aspect Christianity when you start going into the deep stuff in the Bible yeah. that's when it starts to get fucking crazy oh yeah there's, there's <laughs> mental shit in there but I, I quite like the because the, like like paganism and mm. everything like that is mixed in with that yeah well that it predated yeah. Christianity so it's kind of like these people have been secluded and have like almost like reverted back to how they wore or yeah. how like society was it's a it, i think it's as a film itself i think it's so clever and it's so like well done it has those weird kind of intricacies where maybe i mean i'm not overly familiar with like folk horror from the 70s so i don't know whether that is like yeah. oh yeah they all it's all like Simon and Garfunkel music or if this is just like just this film <laughs> but it's I think the film itself is so well done like the plot hook um, of him going to investigate uh, a to missing kid find, Edward Woodward uh, yeah Edward Woodward's um, detective uh, Howie going to find, I, I was I was going to say the girl's name and then I was thinking Howie and I was like no that's he's he's Howie, Howie. yeah. Um, the girl that goes missing I can't is I've blanked on it. I watched this last night. I, can't <laughs> um, I, I literally just finished. Before, I, and I, uh, Rowan, Rowan, that's Rowan, it. the young girl Rowan Morrison um, has has actually sent him a yeah. letter about something strange that's happening to her. Well, they received like a mysterious complaint or something like that. You I know? Th- yeah, I think there was a. But I think that he had some kind of correspondence of a yeah. letter from her that literally like made him additionally want to come and find out what was happening on this island and um you know the the basic that yeah that's the that's the the basic thing yeah. is that he he travels to a like a remote um you know a, the police officer sergeant how he travels to a remote island scotland um you know um the island of summer isle yeah again we've got lord summer isle christopher lee's character and he's searching for um a missing girl and he's a devout christian so he is very you know a very um he's not a character who you'd say is like a li- like likable no he's ways. not at all um he is a like a full-on character but at the same time it does give you over time start to give you little kind of like well you kind of understand why he's being so full-on and stuff like that he's he's he is he is a detective on this island and no one seems to care about the fact that nobody's go gone no one cares well, not even a mother uh, yes. Well, they're saying that it's Mrs. not Mrs. Morrison's her. like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's so, someone else, well, she's not here, or we don't really know who that yeah. is, or we don't know who you're talking about, but then they slip up all the time of, like, little slips of, like, yeah, but you don't know, you know, but but we don't care, it's fine. Yeah. You don't understand sacrifice. 
and little words like that are slipped in throughout. Yeah. Um, it is what it is what makes it really clever. It, it I, it's definitely interesting because I don't think I've ever. I feel like I've never not known how this film ends. So I'd be very interested for anyone that has never yeah, seen it to go in, to go in to go blind, blind into this because I feel like it's just something that's been shown off so many times on so many TV shows. So many they talk about this ending so much. It just is a plot twist that I don't think you can avoid. No, and um, literally, so if you are someone who's already listening to this and somehow still not completely clear of what it is, I would go and watch the film and see what it's like without knowing, because I feel like it would be a hell of a twist. Yeah, be sure. like, oh shit! Like because, but having known what the ending was going to come to is really what worked well in this film because it's there's so much in the film where you are literally like you can see how they are playing with you know Sergeant Howard yeah. the entire film you can see how they're doing certain things and you're like oh they're literally acting like this that whole film and you can see how they're acting or how they do little scenes and you're like well they're doing that to play him up and yeah it, it is really you know the, the whole Celtic kind of paganism and Christianity the way they've kind of mixed it together with the whole idea of harvest yeah. And the fact that harvest every you know such a major kind of Christian kind of belief of that that God gives to the land and if you upset God then there must be a reason and the paganism part of the idea of sacrifice that needs to yeah. go into it. Well, I mean, so, the one one of the moments that stuck out best to me was when they go to that inn, the Green Man Inn. They have that classic moment similar to American Werewolf, you know, where everybody goes quiet when he walks in yeah then we get another song about basically about how the uh, how willow the uh, innkeep's daughter loves pipe which is <laughs> which is so weird because everyone's singing like innuendos about her and stuff like that and she's loving it and then this moment jumped out to me later in the film uh but it's when he's eating at the inn uh, yeah. and he complains I mean he has some boggin looking like steak and beans and <laughs> stuff like that and he's like you know everything's like really bad you know a place which is supposed to be fra- famous for its fruit and vegetables yeah, yeah. everything tastes like it's come out of a tin you know <laughs> and I think she I think she says something along the lines of like oh the, you know the harvest wasn't great this year or something like that yes they haven't got the produce yeah and it's one of those little things that is like peppered in where it starts to click about what's really going on. Yeah. Well, I think I think what's clever about it is the fact that to start with, they do just they try to act. Um, I think almost so that he doesn't leave straight away and realize that something's ter- like terribly wrong straight away. Yeah. He knows it's off almost immediately. I believe, like from when he arrives. But they start to prepare in. But they start to slip up more and more of the film goes on, which again to many people without knowing the end would be like oh they're stepping up he's going to start to pick up on this more he's getting closer to a thing when actually it's it's them revealing more to draw to just him keep him there in. you know so yeah it is it's really like like things that they just leave around so like when he goes back and he finds a room with the photographs yeah and he sees Rowan in in this room and um and you know after he's just been after he's just gone around the whole town and they're telling him oh you know no or that or you're you're misinterpreting what that is or I I've never heard of that but all these kind of things to kind of throw him off the scent and you can see how annoyed he's getting that he's here but no one is giving anything or no one's yeah. really um, and yet at the same time no one seems sincere 
they seem oddly happy to be talking about a child that's gone missing and he's just so confused. Someone who's so by the book. Yeah, because he, he is. He's, yeah. you know, he's like God-fearing, like this is how it's done. And I think it's a very, this is another interesting parallel between, you know, like Christianity because we've kind of covered it or spoke about it in our video nasties like feature yeah. go check them out if you haven't <laughs> uh, cheap plug um, but England at the time was you know very dominated by Christianity and Catholicism you know yeah. thing, most people were religious and most people lived by strict religious rules you know there, there was stuff like you know drinking and like kind of like rock music and punk music had started to come in. Mm. But for most people, and particularly people who were kind of around his age, middle-aged people, it was, you know, it was very God-fearing and it was living, you know, going to church on Sundays and living your life by that, by those strict rules. Yeah. So it's very interesting how they kind of have this character who's so used to order and so used to things being by the book, like you say, and he meets all these people who are living a completely different kind of life to him. Yeah. There's one. There's a, a a moment in it where they go to. Uh, he's going to the school to check about you know what's going on. Like if anybody where's she missing and who's yeah. that and they're at, um, if yeah. she's registered at the school. If the kids have seen her and they have the they've got another song. Kids dancing around the maypole. Yeah. And then they talk. The teachers talking about like the maypole as like a phallic symbol and like the yeah you she's know, talking yeah. with powers of nature and the way yeah that he you can see his distaste in that case i think anyone would be because she's basically just talking about it like, like she dong. literally is basically saying like penis and dong and like <laughs> she's not saying dong, she doesn't say, <laughs> but she says like phallic and she teaches them about that and because it's such a quite younger class he yeah. looks disgusted of the idea that anyone would possibly kind of give that to those ideas into children's head or yeah. that, that would even be shared or anything like that. He looks, you know, right. He looks in some way rightfully, but in other, in other ways, it's like even if it was them teaching science and stuff like that, he, he definitely seems like the kind of be like, you don't learn of these things you until, learn. until someone until is inside grown. of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, but he also mentions at that same bit where he's like, he goes there and he's like, you know, there's people naked. Because earlier in the film, uh, we see Christopher Lee, his first appearance. He brings like a young strapping lad as a sacrifice or as an offering to Aphrodite, which is the landlord's daughter, Willow, just to go around and give some pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they say tomorrow on the, the day of death and like rebirth, um, we see all, we see like people like shagging in the fields. Yeah, as All he's walking around, like he, yeah. there is so much that I think would throw any freaking police officer yeah, off. Yeah, of course. Like it's not even the god-fearing police officer. As he's walking around, he literally there's a woman who is literally like naked, drunk, crying, looking, on, a grave, crying yeah. on a grave. Um, there's a guy I'm pretty sure who's pissing on a grave yeah. behind. Um, there's people literally just a, like a not even it's not even a field. It's literally basically Street, a pathway. Yeah. yeah, and at the side just of it on the greenery is just like. 10, 12 people banging. Just, just going, just going at it. You know, and, and you know, and we already know the landlord's getting like some banging going on. People are kissing and making out and stuff yeah. like that, like having sexual moments inside of the putt, inside yeah. of the green man. And he, but then you know, um, the the police officer is like, you know, Sergeant Howie's like, I've never 
you know, encountered such degeneracy as coming here. People yeah. having sex in the streets, people being publicly drunk, all of that kind of stuff. So it's a really interesting... And this film pattern. has such a kind of... The, 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 the release, the, the natural body, like the nature kind of part of it, yeah. obviously plays into that. The, the You know, the giving of the body and the... You know, and then kind of being back with nature and stuff yeah. like that. A lot of that, and you have that throughout those scenes. You have scenes when he walks into houses and he sees someone naked. Instead of them like shying away, they're like, "Here's my tits." Here's my tits. Yeah, and like you know, in stuff like that, we have a lot of those kind of like that that nudity. We have children who seem to be aware of like nudity and sexuality, yeah. and um, and including the the landlord's daughter who kind of starts to kind of you're never quite sure whether it's a real scene or whether it's a dream scene yeah. of him. Um, and you get that whole, the, the one I was on about, yeah. the room burned into my brain, um, <laughs> the, of her like dancing as the people in the Green Man Inn are, are playing a, a song and talking about the, yeah. how, you know, a song that again is related to um, sexuality and like um, the different kind of acts of it and things like that um, and you have them playing along as she's doing this crazy ass dance and basically humping the walls and like, yeah. showing her ass in the air and yeah. whatever she's doing basically twerking before it's a yeah. thing she twerked <laughs> and then but he's on the other side and he's he's he, in this fever dream he wants like, to he's sweating yeah. and he's there and, it, and it, it's like he's he, he's fighting it and things like that and he's also he's not a married man but he's a he's Christian. to be wed he's a yeah he ain't fucked. No. As we find out. Um, we find yeah. out later in the film. But he's... Um, so it's almost like this temptation, but it's also... It's hard in that scene to tell whether it is implied to be real that he happens or if it's meant to be a dream, like a... You know, like a, yeah. that kind of... Um, sister kind of... Because there's something kind of um, trippy about it. And there there's is. a lot of trippy kind of, you know, kind of scenes. But you also wonder, because later on they, they talk about things that are kind of medically induced or things that um different um lights or smokes or things like that they can use to kind of make people into knock them out or yeah to, or to make them into like a fever dream or to make them release them so um you do wonder whether something's been done to him whether yeah. he's been spiked and they're trying to get him to do something but they're definitely using the um the daughter will landlord's daughter is definitely being used as like a sexual symbol to kind of yeah and it's on about it's relating to his kind of pent up sexuality sexual the fact that he's, yeah. he's never you know he's never done he virgin fucked. you know he's he's saving for marriage I believe yeah. is what we that's what he calls. says yeah um so we have all of these kind of moments of like everything is testing his sensibilities as a Christian and, and it's very interesting because like you said before about that link to like Britain and the way it was changing and like yeah. I said now about how I don't feel that we're nearly where we were back then if you look yeah. at what we were like as a country and things like that I'm not saying we're necessarily better <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm just saying like we have changed quite a lot but that was definitely the period including linking with our video nasties like you said and he as a character is almost like as a police officer you imagine at that point in time the differences he's seeing in the country the, the changes yeah. in people the, that was you know a huge point of rebellion and a huge point of change within the country and you've got this character who's literally having to face a lot of that stuff the, the sexuality is right in front of him the freeness even the people being in the pub being so free and expressing themselves yeah. and it does have that kind of very 60s trippy druggy sexuality kind of driven yeah. like like this film is pushing within that folklore that pagan kind of that this character is almost like he's almost like the old Britain yeah <laughs> and this is new this world is new. kind yeah. of coming into you they, but there's one I'm 
just touching on that point. Yeah. And then I'll talk about one last scene from the, the score that I like. Um, but with that kind of seduction, temptation scene, it's really interesting because when I watched it, I interpreted it as being like you, like you were talking about. This is about his resolution and like him basically testing himself yeah. or him being tested in yeah. his faith. You know, will he? You know, will he kind of give up all of his? You know, all of his. Uh, I can't think of the word. You know, will he give up all of his convictions yeah. and everything that he believes in? for this weird strange new world that he's being tempted in and yeah. will he kind of almost be be brought into this new world away from christianity so that's kind of how i watched it but i remember when i i remember this really distinctly but when i was watching that documentary they were talking about the willow trying to seduce him as a way to save him yeah. because we later go on to find out that um spoiler for a 50 year old film that everybody that most people know the ending for is that the whole thing is a ploy for him to be there specifically yeah because he's a christian he's a virgin he's like the ultimate sacrifice the you know previous sacrifices haven't been as good so they bring in this this man fabricating the whole story it's a really good twist even when you know what's happening watching yeah. it play out it's great so i was thinking well you know, if he'd have let, if he'd have gone, you know what? Fuck it. God next door, drop trowel, just pounded, shot his goo, <laughs> you know, and and got stuck in. Would they have been like, you know what, mate? Don't worry, you're you're with us now. You're, 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 you're not. not we're not going to. Yeah, like we're not going to sacrifice you. Yeah. You're not a virgin. You've gone. You've gone bollocks to God and got stuck in. You know, would this? Would they have even sacrificed him? And I kind of thought, was you know. It's very by the end of the film, Willow has been is happily to sacrifice him. Yeah. So I don't know if I actually buy the idea that she's trying to. She is save I, him. I, to be fair, throughout the whole film, I had the same thought. In my I had the same thought in my head though because she is the of all the characters. There's one other character who sa- who says it a couple of times, um, but mainly is Willow is the one who keeps saying about you should leave before. Before day, yeah, you should leave. You should come before this. I wasn't sure if it is she's going along with it, but I feel like it's almost like as a character. I'm not so sure that she's not going against it. I, I, I it's kind of in my head that I feel like she both believes in it, but I also feel like at the same time she she's almost guiding like I'm giving you a chance here. I kind of don't want to be the one to fully be to blame here, but I'm giving you a chance. To, I'm giving you a message. I'm giving you an idea. Um, but there's still a part of her that is f- so seduced by Lord Samurai's kind of yeah. idea and vision. Vibe. Um, it's almost like there's an unconscious part of her that keeps telling it without really realizing what she's doing. Kind of feel. I feel like there's there's something there because she says so often, most of the time when she talks to him, she says about Are you leave like when you, like going going out of here. And the other character that says that is Mrs. Morrison in the sweet shop. Yeah, uh, who is um, uh, who Rowan's is the, mum? Yeah, Rowan's mum. She tells him to leave. You, know, you should go. You should go after you know when she he keeps talking. But the day when she tells him to go is the same day that he then goes to check the boat. Yeah. Whereas Willow is telling him before that point. Pretty much just from straight away, she's telling him little hints of like leaving him, leaving here. She knows what her role is. Her role is to test him. 
her role is to think. But on the flip side of that, I was also considering whether is she doing that because she knows he's such a man of conviction. She's teasing that, to yeah, leave. That's because what I he's buy. gonna then he's gonna it's almost gonna motivate him to stay. That's what I buy because I think um, there's points where like when he finds out uh, that you know. Rowan had the picture of Rowan with the failed produce, um, and yeah. he's like, Okay, it was a sacrifice. I think it's around then she's like, You know, tomorrow's May Day, you should probably, or well, you, want, you want to leave before then. Yeah, yeah. I think that it, yet again, it's her, her role is to test him, to test yeah. his faith, to do that, to say, Well, I, um, you should leave because he's thinking, Well, you know, it's got to be May Day. Something's going to happen. Yeah. I'll find her. I'll that's be able to mean. stop it. I, like, I can so see I it from both sides, but I do think it is more of that. Because I think, to be fair, and that is what most of them are. Most of them are there. The reason they slip up or the reason they say certain things to them seem to be for him to drive. As as a sergeant or an att- you know, as a police officer, his idea is when someone's telling me to do something, I should be questioning why. Yeah. And that is his role. And, and she plays such a key role at the end that I do believe that that is the main reason she's there. She is there to draw... Because she's even there, She's even the one that's there to almost be the one that he like looks at the most is because because at times she seems like she's trying to maybe connect with him or even sexually yeah. kind of attract him. Um, I think her leaving little things, her seeming like she's slipping up all the time <coughs> makes him think he's got clues. Because like I said, like when he goes to the room with a photographer... He's talked to her beforehand. Yeah, she's asked when she does ask her like when to like when you're staying till or you're going to be going by this yeah. date, and then later on, like you said about the, you need to be you should probably think about leaving. You don't want to be here for some you know for May Day and yeah, um, all of that is laid so on so thick by her, including the acting of when he they're trying to knock him out yeah. with the you know with her father, which is so and which funny. is just so but you can tell so much that they're acting to like as a reflection you're seeing acting whereas because you see it more from his point of view you think that he's just managed to catch them out when actually it's, it's so it's well reverse, done you know what I mean it's the reverse but it's that it's McGregor because they're where, where he's staying they are the main people that he talks to hear from yeah and the the even her father um, older McGregor yeah um, he's he's almost more the antagonistic one the one that pushes him because every time he's making comments about him not doing it or not finding it yeah or, like he's the one that kind of drives him. I think they are out of everyone in the story they are the driving they are yeah, the well, driving they, are. they push his button so much that's why every time he comes in he's basically a, he's a dick to them because he's yeah. like <laughs> fuck, he's like fucking not listening to me I'm doing this and you're not listening to me you little pricks and <laughs> well, the one, I mean speaking about the, the antagonists yeah is we haven't really spoken about Christopher Lee who no, he's, not only he's kind of he, well he's kind of spread across the film he's not like he's, consistent yeah, he's, he's used quite sparingly I yeah. forget how his his glorious locks of hair you know I'm so used to like Count Dooku Christopher yeah, Lee, yeah, yeah. old man, sour man. That I forget that he was, you know, quite a oh, bushy hair. Because you forget about Dracula. Yeah. Like, and obviously that was like proper gelled back. Like he had a yeah. lot of hair to make it. But you know, he had like a long flowing or crazy ass, like yeah. high hair. He's a handsome man as well. Handsome Very handsome devil. man. Um, you know, he did this film for free. Which is interesting. Because yeah. he wanted to get away from the Dracula role. Oh, really? So he wanted more things. So he's actually, I believe he's a producer on this film as well. 
Um, he yeah, he said to do it for free because he was so passionate. So he uh, got the screenplay for I believe it was adapted, not fully adapted. It's partially adapted from the idea of a book, uh, The Ritual by David Pinner, um, who who wrote the book. The Ritual was written by that guy to be a film. Yeah, and then the the person who was going to make that film originally said. Um, we're not interested so he turned it into a novel okay and then Christopher Lee and um, Anthony Schaffer who who did the screenplay for this one they um, they, they they bought it and then when they actually looked at the book itself they went the idea of you know someone who's a detective kind of story um, but they then built a lot more of the paganism stuff into it a lot more of that kind of stuff yeah so they kind of built it out more as more of a, like the story than the actual short kind of novel kind of did um, but Christopher Lee, yeah, he was part of the purchase of that deal of the, the okay. book. At a point when obviously he was one of the bigger, like, film because of Dracula, he was one of the yeah. bigger starring actors. But only he was typecast yeah. into horror, that kind of horror. And he saw this as a different kind of area. Way to get show out, yeah. more of an actor. Because um, then obviously after this, like, you know, he he went on to do things like James Bond, and then. Again, he just became like a franchise king of doing all of this. Yeah. And Christopher Lee himself said that this is his favourite film. This is a favourite film he did. He's his favourite role to play because it gave him such freedom. Whereas Dracula, he said, is quite an experience. It's something he loved to begin with, but became like a, it became like a tomb for him. Yeah. You know I mean, it became something that boxed him in so much. And he was basically playing the same character again and again. There's no freedom, he said, with the Dracula they wanted me to play. I, I, he, that old Dracula, love him, but they it's, are. It yeah. is just that he's the standing figure. He's the, you know, he's the motionless kind of. He's the one that appears in little scenes and then does little kind of monologues and then that's about it. There's not much. There wasn't much way yeah. to do it for him. This film offers him to go from, you know, you know. Not only does he have to kind of give the allure, and he does, he gives that kind of He's very said, charismatic. handsome man, charismatic kind of handsome. You can you believe that they would follow this man, yeah, you believe that they'd be drawn in. In fact, to be fair, all the other men on the island look like trolls compared they to they do. He, he stands <laughs> yeah. out, he's both tall and handsome above them, handsome. He's a tall drink of water, and whereas the rest of them, like if you look at older McGregor, he's a little troll man, he is a troll man. <laughs> um, so all of them look compared to him. So not only do you believe it, but he also gets to do a lot of the weird and, you know, the cross-dressing that we get later on is that, you yeah. know, he gets all of this kind of cool... He gets to have fun with the role, doesn't he? He does, and, and he looks like he's enjoying himself. And him and Edward Woodward, those are, the scenes that they share together, particularly when he goes to um, when he goes to the, the mansion or the castle or whatever it is, um, it's really, you know, they have some really good musings between them yeah. around Christianity... Yeah, really good religion. Mono, mono, like every time they come, there's a clash. There's a clash. He but it's, knows who. Like it's, yeah. it's almost like Sergeant Howie knows that there's something to do with him because he is a good. He is a good officer. You can tell that he is good at what he yeah. does because he's so stuck to it. But that's also the problem is his mind is so on the law, so on the doing that Christian correct thing. That you don't realize that he's blinded yeah. to everything else around Can't him. Can't see the wood. He just sure. sees that, yeah. But and that's why he kind of hones in on him, and that's why they have such a kind of antagonist kind of who you think's hero, but you don't truly treat as a hero because he's kind of hard to treat. Like he a is, hero. he's hard to like, isn't he? Um, he is, but I think that's because he's such an old school kind of. It's very rich. He almost is, but then again, he probably is someone who would have been in the sixties or who you'd probably see in like a British film as being like. 
That is our hero. He is a good Christian <laughs> yeah. man. He's a good Christian man. He feeds his family and he, you know. <laughs> he, he beats the dirty pagans. He does. Yeah. Um, it's, so, yeah, you but know, it's... Christopher Lee has a presence that he's always had. Yeah. You know, he's always had this, not just the voice, obviously, but the. He just always has, no matter what role he's done, whether it's been Cam Dooku. And the or man when, trained quite you know, gym. Whether it's been. Um, Saruman? Saruman. Yeah, yeah. Saruman. I was thinking of mixing up the name there. Um, you know, he's been able to have a presence that, you know, is just there. He really does have that. And he's, you know, he, uh, it's very interesting, but he, he comes, he comes off very, not like a, a usual kind of cult leader, you know, he comes off almost like he is part of the village. And I like the idea yeah. that, they went there and then you know there was such bad kind of you know, such bad harvests and the island was in such a bad state and the and christianity was there because we know that there's like an old church which is derelict that pisses off sergeant howie and all of these these old things from christianity yeah. and then they've gone back to paganism they've gone back to you know living off the land and the old gods and it's it's kind of he's got he's got a leg up because i guess it's it's summer island he is lord yeah it's kind of his art is like his pretty much yeah um and obviously that's from his because they talk about his 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 father or his grandfather who had you know who had this had been his and he had been in charge before uh, but there's also the idea that he is bringing in like a new like you said back to the pagan back to that kind of after after everything's gone fine before he's bringing in kind of new new ideas but old ideas at the same yeah. time he's bringing it back to that kind of more of that paganism is quite often seen as more of like a close to nature close to yeah. earth kind of thing so he's bringing it back to that which again i think links with that whole like change of like the 60s and 70s to me it changes him being that kind of new fresh blood that kind of brought to the island and the younger ones are kind of want to follow him and the women yeah. are very interested by him and the men kind of follow that way as kind of yeah you know. well i think like the free the free love generation yeah probably would have been in full swing by now oh yeah know? if not maybe the the end of it i'm not yeah, i mean sure. christopher lee could have led his own real court if he wanted probably. to i'm sure <laughs> i mean apparently james bond was based on him yeah, because <laughs> apparently Ian, Ian Fleming is his cousin, and uh, Christopher Lee served in the Second World War, I think it was. Yeah, and I mean he's he's a suave motherfucker. He's handsome, and apparently he came back and he had some stories for Ian Fleming, and Ian Fleming was like, "I'm gonna write this. I'm gonna base this character on you." Yeah. Um, there was a story on the set of uh, Lord of the Rings where. Um, <laughs> Where Grimer Wormtongue obviously stabs Saruman in the back, yeah. and Christopher Lee was like, "No, no, no! Like this is how this to Peter Jackson. This is how it would kind of like sound." And Peter Jackson was like, "Well, how do you know that?" He was like, "Well, I, I stabbed a man in the back." <laughs> <laughs> he was like, and he did like he did like a death metal album at the age of like ninety or something. Yeah, yeah. He just into the music as well. Yeah. He had he had a good life, Christopher Lee. He, yeah, he was. A very, um, yeah, one thing I actually I was going to touch on before is the fact that um, I believe I've watched the same version of the film as you because there are three different versions of this film. Okay, so I watched a theoretical. Yeah. There's a final cut and there's a director's cut. 
I believe because uh, <laughs> because I have uh, because we have a linked email for our Cast Me to Hell account. Yeah. And you have your Amazon account. <laughs> I believe you downloaded a certain uh, a Studio Canal subscription or whatever. Yes, I had to to watch. And so I look. So before I watched, I made sure I was watching the same cut as you, and it on there. I believe it said the final. The cut final cut, yeah. yeah. Which I was thrown off about because I didn't know that there was three different cuts in, of this film. Yeah. Um, so when I was doing it, when I was looking through mine, it was offering me three different. Ver- I was like, oh, which one? So I decided to go with the one that you had watched. Um, yeah, that makes sense for consistency. Because the theoretical one is actually not easily got hold of. Okay. That one's the shortest of the film as well, because the film was only originally about 84 oh, minutes wow. or so. It wasn't very long. Yeah. The one we watched was about an hour and 44 minutes long. Yeah. And then there's the director's cut, which is uh, quite a bit longer. Um, that one's about 20 minutes longer than both of those I think so that one's about almost a two hour cut of the film yeah. um, and each one has has very varying differences I think the theoretical cut had a little bit less of the sexuality stuff in it Yeah. Um, and I think the ending goes on a little less it's kind of cut down a bit which is why people say that uh, that one's not the best one I do think they do say the final cut is the strongest version of the film yeah. the other cut is, is, is quite a bit uh, longer it does include Christopher Lee singing Oh, he has one of the songs, so that ha- it does have that part in it. Um, but it also introduces Sergeant Howie in the that version. In the in, a, in the one yeah. we watched, you get to see him in the church at the beginning for like a. It's like a very minuscule. It's like a very short scene. Yeah, he doesn't okay. go straight to the plane. I'm pretty. Uh, I'm sure in the version I watched anyway, which said it was the final cut. You get like a scene of him in a church just at the very beginning for about. 30 seconds or so and he talks to a minister or something like that yeah. and then he's off on off on his way uh, whereas the uh, director's cut shows him with actually you get a chance to not only see him his life in the church and uh, to be wed you get more of an idea of that but you also get the idea of how he is with his other officers and he's just as much of a dick as uh, the other yeah. he is he is the one that the other officers are kind of you know uh, he's so by the book yeah you know, he's so that, that you know, and, and I think, and I think, in the uh, director's case, there is a little bit more of that implication of this is what his life is like. This it, it plays up a lot. It, it sets up a lot more his kind of stern Christian belief, kind of that we follow it this way. This and that kind of sets up why, which I, I think maybe a little bit jarring at times is that you're just there, like you get to know him by just basically getting to know what he's like with the people on the island. Yeah. Um, whereas at the start, in the director's cut you get a bit more time which I think it works perfectly fine the other way getting to know him you get to know his character because you get to know him as he goes along yeah. so you get you kind of get him by the time you get to the end you get why he is doing things the way he does it yeah. you get the, his beliefs you get you understand him enough I think by the end um, whereas in the director's cut yeah, you just get more time with newer people which I think kind of links to what we were saying about this kind of new world order that yeah. he's kind of had to adjust to and I think it shows younger policemen in the director's cut, which he kind of has to adjust to this kind of new, new that generation. world. And I think there's a few other bits, like more songs. There's more. There's more of the scene of her dancing around. I believe it goes on for longer. Yeah. Um, you know, so obviously, if you liked that scene, go enjoy that. <laughs> you, uh, you <laughs> me watching again later on. Yeah. Um, but the um, yeah, so it, it adds some elements, but a lot of people say it adds stuff that just, I guess. They, they said that the, the final cut is better because it, it kind of streamlines the ideas. You get enough of these ideas without yeah. overdoing it, whereas the director cut kind of adds on more than people needed. I think it's like I said, they yeah. lay it on a bit too thick with the whole Chris. And I think they also said that the Edward Woodward character, because you get to see him at the start there, then you get to see the way he is 
he almost becomes very dislikable in that direction. I could see that. You know, it's too much of him. Whereas at least when he's a police officer out of his depth, you can at least feel for him that he's out of his depth. Yeah. You know, um, in like in that kind of way, he's in this odd community. He's wondering why people, and even you are a little bit on his side. Is like, why aren't people more bothered by this? Why aren't there more interest? Um, So at least you can link with him that way. Whereas I think if you saw scenes before where you're like, oh well, he's just generally a bit of a over the top dick, isn't he? Yeah. I think you would feel a lot less for him, and that could affect the way you feel by the end. Yeah. I can imagine that again. That's why the original theoretical, even shorter version, might have had such an impact because you're with him, you get to know him enough, but there's a little bit cut less. But then you get that shocking ending. So, no, it's just interesting. There are lots of there are there are three different versions, and apparently there's still even another lost version of oh, the wow. original cut, which was cut down to make it into the eighty four, eighty seven minute version. Yeah, okay. that is theoretical. Well, so there's even another cut version of the film. <laughs> well, the final cut that we watched was paced pretty well. I thought. Yeah. Um, it. I think it, it sets itself up very nicely. It's. It's not exactly one of those films that's terrifying, but it's intriguing. Um, it has a lot of plot moments kind of sprinkled throughout of it. Enough to, I imagine, if you hadn't watched this, that's the weird thing is, being our, you know, being our age, like, yeah. this film came out in 1973. I think my dad would have been about, like, 14 by then, you yeah. know? Um, and to, to go into this film completely blind mm. must have been so strange because now I'm just so you know everybody's so used to it that I think it's it's paced well and you you have intrigue sprinkled through even if you know what's going to happen you're still thinking how's he you know, how is he going to get there what's keeping him there how is this you know what are the signs of it because um, the May Day and the third act of the film does happens about an hour into it. And that's kind of where we yeah. get where he's like, you know what, fuck it, I'm bouncing. He goes back to the the weird airplane that he flew in. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just stayed in the in the ocean for a bit and finds that it's been sabotaged. And that's where we start to get things getting really weird. Yeah, you get all of the. Well, we've already had lots of teasers of the the masks and the things like the, you know, the animal masks that the children yeah. are wearing or or the children are talking. At, at, singing songs that are even about sacrifice of animals yeah. and stuff like that. But this um, is where they start playing with him. Yeah, because you I, get them all popping up popping one by up, one, like little, by animals, one looking like, at like little meerkats yeah. popping over, they're like, oh, and then the second it's gone, it's like, yeah, there we go, we're out. Like, yeah. Them laying little traps, and, and you do get that. This, these were the parts that I thought were quite like, um, I, I felt like, that's why I'd said like Kubrick in my head as a kind of basis, because it's very like slowly teased out it has lots of like moments that you'd like spot if you're watching carefully and like in the background yeah. you see you see these animal masks pop up like throughout the film like in the background and stuff like that but the more it goes on the more it goes from little slip ups little teasers in the background little laying little tra- to much more noticeable like yeah. you could catch something out and it starts to be a bit more like it's almost like they want him to catch it out and you're like well, what why are they being so kind of obvious with these things why are they yeah. starting to and and that kind of question starts to build up and um but i do think and i do think with his you know character getting stuck on the island and stuff like that you do start to question like he goes back and he goes back for more officers he says yeah um and he can't really contact the out you know the outside world easily from where they are i think that's some of the sets that up later but because i think this is one thing that is good about his character 
is that because we know the the way that he stands to these like convictions and yeah. so uh, we know that he's the kind of character that's basically kind of never going to give up on this kind of mystery. Yeah. Um, and we totally believe that he's not just going to be like, I'll just find another way. He he's gonna if he notices something off about it. He's even you can tell even on the plane when he's he's like. This doesn't. This doesn't seem right. So, like, as if he's a guy who would have he would have checked it so well. And go yeah. Like, this is not right. I know this plane or whatever. I know that this doesn't happen. Something's wrong here. Yeah. Um. He's got such convictions that a lot of other characters, you'd be like, why aren't you gone by now? Yeah. You would be gone by now. But him, you completely believe that he'd stick it out. He'd keep going. Like you completely believe he's still going for it, kind of thing. And it's that like. It's that commitment to his convictions, almost his, in a strange way, his sense of superiority that yeah. he's the Christian man, he's doing the right thing, there's he's the, the one God, he's the law, that he is better than everyone, he's going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. That's kind of what draws him to his downfall. Yeah. 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 It's almost pride and ego in a strange way. You know? He just starts to kind of, and he starts to kind of just get so like indulged in these just weird things to the point where he kind of sees weird things and he kind of just like ignores them or just moves past them like any time that someone tries to question him that's a no yeah 100% if, if the children come up pop out the window and say what like question him back or try to like show them ass and say no back to him he's like very like I am a police officer no like you're yeah. doing that so he's very forceful in that way and yet then there are still scenes when he, he is a little bit more like, there's just too much weird happening at me right now. Yeah. Like when he goes to search all of the houses and yeah, he finds which... the room, like we've said about the, the woman who like flashes him. Yeah. The, the little girl that falls out the closet with dead. like, looks like she's dead and then playing with him. There is even one which I found a bit odd is that when he goes, the first one he goes into, he goes back, he opens a curtain. There's like a cellar that goes down to a basement, but a really weird one, like a, a yeah. dungeon style yeah. one. <laughs> He doesn't go down that one, though. He just kind of looks and goes, okay. Yeah. Like, I was like, well, is that not where Rowan could be? It was one scene, yeah. It was the one scene that stood out to me. I was just like, why didn't you go down? Yeah, like, that, that's wrong That looks exactly where they'd keep someone if they were missing. Like, that's it. He's yeah. like, no, I have a sex dungeon at home, too. Yeah, he was, he was the man who first went to, like, Joseph Fritzl's place. Yeah, I was going to say. I was like, ah, everything seems to be like, ah, oh, that looks like a good Christian room down there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's the only one he doesn't like check that I was there like, why? Why are you not checking that dungeon? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it like, is a bit weird. It is like, it's like, it's like watching any horror movie except like in every other horror movie they go down the stairs and check and you're probably like, I guess you probably you shouldn't, shouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. But in the same time in my mind I'm thinking, but you, I feel like you should have because you're <laughs> yeah. looking for a missing person and no one seems to. And it is, um, but all of this kind of adds to not only the, the, the the just oddness but the sense of unease i think is what this film mainly gives you it's not it's a folk horror and i do feel like folk horror obviously folk horror or folklore is its own kind of genre of horror yeah. honestly um and and they're not always they are quite often kind of slower paced they are kind of like giving you little teases some of them yeah can be a little bit more into gore and stuff like that where they're showing horrific things that happen or horrific body kind of changes or things like that that might happen within a ritual or a or an animal that kind of you know like you've got things like um the the ritual ritual, antlers or things like that kind of a folksy kind of tale or mythology kind of based tales um and you you get a, a lot of these in there and i do find that quite often though they are quite so they often tease things and they're not 
they are more much more about kind of an odd sense of tension or an odd yeah. unease. They make you feel like I'm, I have no idea what's going on here. Yeah, they're yeah. often more uh, using. They're often more about the actual themes of the film than yeah. it is so much about creating scares and frights. It's almost like yeah, it's it's making you question like almost the reality, you know, the oddness. And obviously, because this film is now fifty years old, yeah, there's a, there is an oddness like looking back for anyone of a certain age is going to look back at this and going like maybe I don't understand. I don't really understand this as a almost a believable world to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, it doesn't seem like. Anyone like your dad or like my dad who watched it when they were, you know, yeah. this would have been teenager film that they would have seen. This probably yeah. this could have been one of the first horrors they ever got to probably, see, or yeah. you know, or the one they snuck into, <laughs> you yeah. know, whatever, whatever dastardly deeds they got up to. Yeah, when they were dastardly younger. deeds um, of the seventies. But um, the, yeah, this would be there. But to them, this would have been a bit more closer to a Briton or a police officer or something that they probably could have been like, yeah, I see this. To us, this seems like someone completely. If it's, it wasn't for our like childhood, maybe in the nineties where we. We had little parts of this still around a little bit, but like today, this doesn't really match. No, it's quite fan. It's almost fantasy. Yeah, it does seem like a fantasy world to them. It might have seemed more like, yeah, I've been to the country a couple of times. You know, I've been been out to the, uh, I've been out to the black country. They're all banging each other, banging their sheep. You know, whatever they do about there. Yeah, Um, (laughs) it is literally like a, you know, it's a bit deliverance. It's all that. Like, but yeah, so you know, it makes sense there were, but to us, this creates this weird uneasiness now more than ever I think because it does feel like a a kind of fantasy weird world where you're like this kind of guy who himself doesn't feel like normal to us anymore yeah. is also in this world that feels so like cagey and unclear but in a it, it's it's weird that the fact that in this film I'd almost say that you not I was about to say sympathize but it's, that's not the right word but you almost feel a little bit like you're like I could probably get along with that ta- that village and that yeah. island as I I could kind of delve into that part of the community. You know, I'm happy to go banging on the lawn yeah. and <laughs> to be drinking in the pub and like that kind of stuff. But it's the it's the shift that he brings to the island that is kind of more of the he's like his kind of disdain for all of this is the angle that weirdly I'd say now more than ever we're the ones that are kind of looking at him going, yeah, I don't really get your. But I don't really yeah. get your ideals. It's more I understand their ideals, their freedom, their you know do whatever. Their you yeah. know um, their kind of freedom. I understand more than I understand your point of view. And it, I think fifty years on from the film, it's a it's weird that I think our generation gets more of the free spirit side of it than we probably do the Christian, yeah, you know, probably. fear fear God kind of lower. You know, following that the you know following the letter of the law by the thing not saying that's a bad thing to follow the law yeah. uh, but you know all of but that, that kind of the part. strictness yeah yeah there's well, we're a bit more of a shortcut generation yeah. <laughs> I've also just clocked that the, the black country is pretty much the exact opposite of like the what we've been talking about the black because I was like I went to, <laughs> I went to the black country living museum a couple of months ago and I was like Oh, the black country was like really urban. They called it the black country because of like the factories and stuff like that. They did have like, factories. And stuff. This isn't like that at all. But it's from the like the, the the city kind of area. The black country still seem as the they they were seen as the. Uh, if it, if anything, it's more like going to the forest. It's the deep. industrial, but yeah. yeah, but the black country, yes, was like kind of industrial place, but it was also a place where people found that they were more of the oddities, kind of they were yeah. like, they were they were strange, different people, kind <laughs> Just of. Just because they're from. I think from uh, possibly. 
even before, yeah. Mainly because they're from Birmingham. <laughs> Birmingham, yeah. <laughs> Which is his own cursed land, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's weird. Set. There's, there's so much kind of that you could delve in. And this is, I know when I was doing film so this is the kind of film, to be honest, like, this was one I look back at and go, oh, I should have done way more on folklore and stuff for my, like, degree and stuff like that. Because this film, I feel like I could... I could delve into oh, like yeah. the history behind it, and we could go on and on and on about that kind of yeah, pagan we, we history, Christian history, the effect on Britain, the change of that. There is so much you could delve into this film more than I think, and and this is why I can see it as such a a classic British film, but also is why people see this as more of a slightly higher brow one because oh, yeah. there is so much history delving in this film. There's so yeah. much culture, so much folklore. Um, so much mythology in this film that you could delve into that is much more on the surface. You could watch this as a standard guy comes to an island and he's a bit off and he's a bit, you know, and, and that's and, you where know, they went that That's is, why it went wrong. They, you know? Yeah, they, they only saw it on a surface level. You know yeah. what I mean? They, they, they did not understand the context at all. No. They didn't get that. I don't think anyone, no one in that film understood it. They just saw it as a weird kind of, a, a man comes to an island out of place. Yeah. And not only that, they even Americanized it to the point where Nicholas Cage's character was like a sympathetic character who'd lost his family. And yeah, he had this kind of reason, which made him just like any other film like that that they've done a million times, where the guy yeah. is in the bad place and comes to the island. And the problem is, um, the way that this film goes towards the end links completely with, I weirdly enough, the officer's ideals completely kind of actually link into a world that he actually kind of seems to believe in, in many ways. Yeah. What comes at the end of this film, uh, Sergeant Howie, he doesn't believe in the, what they're doing about it, but he believes in the whole Christ will give you, you know, Christ, Christ the Redeemer, Christ yeah. the, you know, that he will uh, give punishment, that he will give resurrection, he will give his, you know, and, and theirs is going much well, more, you know, even further back to the paganism. Kind yeah, of. well, they're going on about, like, they're going on about, like reincarnation you know you you die you yeah. take on another form it's all it's about you know like there's a couple of things that but day. he believes he'll be resurrected he'll be as a resurrected. person yeah um or, 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 or resurrected or, or in heaven, heaven you yeah. know heaven no it's never person that's a different religion <laughs> yeah um but he no but he believes in some form that he will come back and that this will be like that um but they they see it as more reincarnation into but not reincarnation as in like you're going to come back as this, you're reincarnated to be the source of power to our harvest. Yeah, that's it. Like, you're... And there's, there's a lot of stuff. Like, obviously, May Day is, like, the, the, the start of summer, you know, and hairs... There, there's quite a lot of, like, hairs in it, and hairs are all about, you know, like, the end of winter, the start of spring, new yeah. beginnings... And there's there's all of that stuff. Like you were saying about how the film works on so many levels. You have the context of Britain and changing. You have the the what we've been having, you know, pretty much since like since the last kingdom times, you know, when we were invaded and we have Christianity and paganism. Yeah. And then you have just so many tiny little things in the film that show that he's been set up and twist like he you know he he clocks the uh, the uh, the older mcgregor and puts his outfit on yeah uh, which is the fool 
and then it finds out punching Judy, punching Judy, you know, and he's king, he's king for the day, you know, and there's all of this kind of stuff that's so so well done. The king who you know who's a fool who, who is the fool because of the you know where punch and judy but he's the punch character is not meant to be seen as a he's meant to be someone of power but not respected yeah he's meant to be someone who is higher higher than above her or in pattern the reason he basically is a character that beats down his woman is yeah. punch and judy is basically a <laughs> a funny thing that kids watch about domestic violence yeah um, but also about the power that the man withholds and that that shift and that change is coming about and that yeah. we no longer have that and and that is all all there and that and we even get the scene in the library when he finds the book and he talks about it and he sees yeah. that kind of the mansion judy kind of character and you have the librarian kind of giving him odd looks as he's like reading these parts because it goes from him reading it in his it's it's an odd part in the scene because it go, he reads it in his head and we yeah. hear his voice in his head then he starts and then then he reflects on her but at no point do they actually talk before it but then he just starts saying it to her anyway yeah. it's a very odd scene because he's just like I'm going to now say this to you because you need to tell me what you know but yeah. I, you know and she's just silent the whole time just staring at him as he talks about sacrifice of children you know and, and that leads him onto it but it, it almost they've given him the little seeds to make him go and check that yeah even into the library when the book is so easy to come by that he, you know, the book almost seems, and the book doesn't even look like a, you know, the book looks like a fairly new text. It almost yeah. looks like it's been specifically made for him because it's so new when it's talked about as like, as if he's reading it like an older text, but yeah. it's not. The pages look crisp and white. It all looks brand new. Like they've made this up just to link to their version because there's a lot of stuff about the pagan stuff but then it also has more modernised ideas like Punch and Judy yeah. and th- th- that is a the, 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 the Punch kind of characters the king and stuff, that's more from you know your, what you take from more your medieval kind of yeah. practices but the pagan stuff is much further back than that so it almost seems like they've made their own context of it and this is yeah. the book that he's reading he's literally reading something that they've made for him to follow him off the wrong track kind of thing yeah where it avoids it avoids it but it does because the book even avoids the part of it tells him about everything about animals to children avoiding anything about the adult yeah and the man of power the man of um as they call it the the power of the the king uh, the virgin the fool yeah you know what i mean that, those three parts that's the only part of what it talks about punch you know as that kind of character yeah. um it talks about him in that kind of context um, as being that adult, but it never talks in terms of that. That's the one that should be sacrificed. Yeah. To the most power. Well, he's all. It's the only. It's the only say chess piece that's left on the table yeah. by the time he gets to the end, which then leads him going back to the the pub, and then he over and then tell it. He says he's going for a nap, and they're still antagonizing him. Older. Yeah, he's still teasing about that you still haven't found searching all those houses and you've done nothing. Yeah. You know? um, and she's giving him the whole about does he not need to leave soon and stuff like that and then and again that's why it seems quite obvious that she's more accomplished than she is trying to warn him because she says that to him which again not only makes him stay but also then he goes says he's going for a nap in his room so when she's then stood there saying that we need him out of the way yeah they're talking together and they need this and they do a weird thing with a hand which yeah. is a burning hand but i think it's actually just a wax hand that they've shaped into that shape it's to really kind of, weird to kind of creep him out in a kind of godfather horse yeah, <laughs> yeah. <of thing. laughs> um 
you know, and, and he's hearing that, and you know, when I think it's just a, a, hand, a wax hand candle, I don't even think really, there's anything yeah. to it. I think it literally is <laughs> that weird. just to make him think, but that's purely to get onto it. The only inconsistency I quite found is that I wasn't, I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if Willow was more into it than actually Older McGregor was actually informed of certain things because Older McGregor seems legitimately unaware that certain things were going to happen to him, whereas Willow seems more much more aware of what was coming. Yeah, Older McGregor, you know, when he's he's knocked out, but then they show a scene, or it's just an inconsistency within the, the you know the shots that they left in the film. Maybe but it is. There's yeah. like he's tied to the bed after yeah. after the officer takes him. And he seems legitimately like concerned. Whereas if he was in on it, I feel like none of this he would be a bother. Um, yeah, so I don't know I if it's inc- I don't know if that's an inconsistency in the film, or it's a case of um, you know Lord summarise as uh, McGregor sometimes played up a little bit like an idiot anyway. Yeah, at times he's played that bit like a fool. A lot of the stuff he says is a bit like Lord Summer sometimes treat. There's a scene when they're they're outside and he says about his changing clothes or we're gonna have to take it in again. Like yeah. he's a little bit of an annoyance to him at times. And he makes a comment about him drinking. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that's why it makes me wonder if he's actually more. It could be seen more that he's been left out of certain parts of this. Yeah, so he doesn't. Willow was too much more of the. Yeah. Willow's actually the one they rely on more to get these pieces in yeah. place much more than we maybe realise. Yeah, and I feel like she's either. actually yeah. Some people see it as the, her being the helper when actually I think she's actually the biggest piece of the puzzle to get oh, him to maybe, that point. Yeah. Um, she's the one that lays out these little things that I think he most pays attention to, and I think that's possibly desire on his part that he's yeah. he's sexually aroused by her. <laughs> he wants to um, fuck. you know, but also that he sees her as an innocent in some ways. Even though the whole bar is basically telling them, we've all piped her, we've all piped her, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so it's really interesting when we get all these scenes and we obviously have him leading through the punch and, and they made the, um, the the pagan symbol yeah. and they all have to go under it, which is quite a tense scene, yeah, I found, because they're going under it. You keep thinking at some point someone's going to move the swords and they're going to, you know, they're going to catch the people. Something, yeah. um, and I think that's, that's part of the good thing is the tension that builds up. You're constantly there, like he's following through. Is anyone going to find out he's there? Yeah. But also, all of these things they're doing at times, there are certain things they're doing that, are, like the swords and stuff, that make you think at any time they could do so. And not just to him. There are other the other characters. You think, well, they're probably willing to do anything to any of them, right? Yeah. Um. So you constantly feel like every time someone steps through that, and it's really well, the tension is really building. But it's so interesting because. The tension is more the idea that he might get caught out or he might find him. Yeah. And at no point, even when I knew the twist, my head still wasn't quite going to, like, that's what's coming next. And sometimes it... Because I do feel it, it so well takes you off of the scent. Yeah, it does. Um, to the point when, obviously, he sees Rowan yeah. on top of the hill and he and, races up to her and, and they say McGregor still, but they know who it is. Yeah. We know in context now that... Obviously, that they know they knew who it was the whole time. Of course, man. Uh, they knew what was going on. They knew exactly what they were doing. You know, have Christopher Lee cross dressing. Yeah, you know, fully dressed up and looks like he's loving life, living the dream. You know, he's playing along and he's dancing down that street. And you know, it, it's it, it's an odd one because I I, go, I did I didn't spot him at first. No. So then I was like I was like. I was like looking at it like so. I was like, "Where's Lord? Oh yeah, yeah." <laughs> I was like, "I forgot. He, I forgot how he dress, he dresses in that way in this film." Which again is a kind of you know it's a kind of risque thing actually at that point. Yeah, time. probably it's is that you know it, again it, it felt all part of that kind of free love, free like to express yourself kind yeah. of movement, which I don't think you would have seen in maybe an earlier version because I do think those themes of 
the new world order that had kind of come about from the 60s and 70s is fully in this film like we've said um, and but yeah when he sees Rowan on top of that hill and he goes to get her and she seems scared and yeah. like that and you're just like I think because you know what's coming though you're also at the same time about like but because we've seen it so long it's the question in your head of is she legitimately like they've legitimately scared the child to get him into the situation yeah or is it that this child's just acting really well which is what the case is yeah it's such a good cave and you know and she's playing so but the second they get her out onto the top it's like here's the reveal yeah Christopher Lee has totally changed everything got his makeup off yeah it's a bit weird like yeah that. That, was a, that was a little bit like I'm not sure you would have done that in the time yeah. it took him to go through that cave and get to the top of the <laughs> and no there's, inconsistency though. and there's my one thing where well one this is my two things with the film um, is like you said the, that weird potential editing inconsistency where we see him you know um, older McGregor tied up and, yeah, but then yeah. you think okay maybe he wasn't in on it because He's a bit of an idiot. Um, and then they say that, you know, he had to come on his own free will. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, if you trick somebody into doing something, are yeah. they coming on their own free will? Yeah. Like, really? Well, isn't that why it's many... I think they take the free will, I guess, because it's the... That's why I'm sure it was about the the fact that he'd received a letter of, you know, what... Yeah. So it's him who decided to come and check of it course. out. Of course. And I do wonder if that's something that you would have... Maybe in the other version, when it leads up to it a little bit more before he just gets the island, if they would have yeah. been a bit more of, like, the officers were like, well, you don't have to go to this. Yeah. But he chose to out of his... That belief. would have been... That would have been... Good. I think that's one... I think that's one thing that might be missing. I feel like maybe. he's there. I think in the actual... Is that he... He chooses to take it upon himself to do the right thing yeah. when all the other officers are like, well, we don't need to go and do that. Yeah, that would have been good. Um, I love that they say basically kind of what you, what you were saying. He represents the three things. You know, he is he's the he's the king because he's there representing you know the queen and as part of a member of state. Yeah. He's the virgin because he ain't fucked, um, <laughs> and he's the fool. Because, yeah. you know, he's basically being played into this whole thing. Everything that's led him up to that spot has been so well put together. So I love that. And then it's great when we get, like, a big, like, burly lad who's, like, going to manhandle him and all of the villagers coming over the hill. That's great. And then as they kind of... Um, Reveal the Wicker Man, you know, which yeah. looks amazing on this hill. Oh, so good. that's such a good like. Yeah. The reason it's iconic. It's, it's iconic so well, and he has this horrid reaction to it. But then the one thing I don't get is he's like, they they, they and this is the one thing I like about the remake. The one thing I think that they actually do better yeah. is there's a so I I watched the remake first, and in the remake we know that they they break his legs. They yeah, cover him yeah. with bees. Not the bees! Not the bees! They do that. Um, and there's a scene in this, but as May Day is just starting, where somebody uh, has a cake of a of like a person or a, or a bunny person, yeah. and she cuts the legs mm. first. And I was thinking, oh, that's great foreshadowing. However, in this one, they don't do anything to him. No, no, no. He's, it's he's just, just in there. It's just this burly uh, lad well, who stood with him. And he just like walks towards the wicked yeah. man himself. <laughs> and he's like, no, 
You, I'm not gonna let you do this as he's walking towards it, as he like opens it and climbs they into do, it. Like, they do grab him. They do, yeah. yeah they, they grab him. They and grab him when he's pull here, like yeah, towards kind of. But thing. that's like after they've already been like, we're gonna sacrifice yeah. you. He's just like, no, you're not, and just stands there as they grab him and take him yeah, away. Yeah, there was a part of me that would be like, if I was stood in that wicker man right now, as you've got full use of your body. I would be kicking that wicker door down because it looks like I could kick... I yeah. was like, I said there like, I could kick through that. I don't know if the wicker man would have toppled into the sea. Yeah. But probably... I'd be like, yeah, I'd still like to take my chance. <laughs> I built I would, <laughs> I would choose dropping down, possibly dying from like crashing against the rocks <laughs> over burning anyway. Yeah, that's what I would have done. I'd have just elbowed... I would have just been like banging against it, like smashing yeah. myself. Yeah. Or I'd have just run... Fosby flopped off the cliffs <laughs> and just into a dive yeah. and just swam back to shore. But I'm built different, like I said, you but, know? I, I, I do, yeah. Because the, 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 there, there is even a, from, um, I think it's from, from, it's not, it's not, it's another character. I forget it was Willow, but it's another blonde lass. Um, <laughs> yeah. She talks about, and almost um, talks about like crisis of like that. So I was thinking he was going to get something like a crown of thorns or that yeah. kind of thing. Um, that kind of sacrificial kind of thing, but he doesn't get it. I, I will admit, there's one thing with the with the bees and the broken legs, and um, that is one thing that I do think. Yes, it it makes it a bit more believable. But again, I think the one thing that does save it from being completely like, why didn't he try to do it? It just comes down to his religious conviction and belief, and also Maybe, the fact yeah. that he. I do think the one thing is that great is when they're on top of that thing. He starts to get more and more surrounded, like by second by second, yeah. you see more and more of them. The villages, the islanders arriving around him, and you see how he starts to kind of. I think there is a realization that there's not really much way that he's getting out of this. Yeah, like he is, he is boxed in, he is stuck, um, and I don't know why, but there is a part of him in the the conversation, and this is this is one part I think amazing. The kind of monologues in the the religious yeah. kind of. The religious speech that comes back and forth between him, where he's making legitimate points, even to the point where some of the islanders start to look like they're questioning. I don't think they ever do. I don't. I don't know if they, they question, but they're they're listening to him, and like, uh, it's actually no, it's not the other island. Is this Christopher Lee's character who looks worried that they will question him when he says that he will be next? That it, if this doesn't work. It will be you, and he, Christopher Lee's character, looks legitimately scared. Oh, okay. Considering, yeah, the, the look that I saw upon him, I thought felt like him legitimately being like, almost like out of all of the characters, the one that understands or is most intelligent is Lord Salah, yeah. and he's there going, if any of them pick up on this, I'm fucked. Like, Maybe, yeah. Like I literally like is like he is making some legitimately good points because there's like a stammer that he does, and there's like a. Where he tries to interrupt him, but he yeah. still overdoes him, and it's just he is just laying these out, and I just think that the 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 stuff that Edward um, Edward um, Woodward Woodward I was about to say Edward Furlong Edward <laughs> Furlong in this um, Edward Woodward's um, acting in that scene is I think it's great. Like, oh yeah, when great. he's screaming and shouting and he's saying all of these religious beliefs and this is where you'll go and. Do you really believe that this is going to make any difference? And this yeah. is going to change, and you know where this will go. You'll just keep being blood, and each time you'll have to get bloodier for your sacrifice. And yeah, um, and he still continues to do it even when he's put. And I do think it comes down to that kind of very. I think they were relating to that very kind of Christian kind of the Old Testament style. Yeah, um, the man. Fury. Yeah, the fury that 
he will stand there and he will take his burning. He will take his, you know, because, um, you know, that's the way they believe of the, the kind of like accepting your, you know, within yeah. Christianity, accepting your fate and accepting that and believing that God will be the one. And I think, I think that point of acceptance is the only difference. And again, I think it's the one thing from the remake that they realized the difference between is that they had not built a good enough character to get to the point where yeah. you can, you can believe that inconsistency. Yes, I would have liked some. I be, I do think the whole a bit more of blood and wrath might have played in a little bit more of a play into it. Um, you know that kind of thing. But then there's also the idea of the the virginal kind of that he is a pristine specimen, mm. and that kind of blood lash kind of may take away from the sacrifice. He should be yeah. pure. Yeah, and I think that the blood wrath would have taken away from that purity. So the, the, there's both ways that play into it, but I just think that he kind of becomes accepting of a situation. Yes, we would have been <laughs> smashing that door, like, <laughs> yeah, smashing it in. Like, but then I guess all that would have happened is I just got dragged back in. Again, <laughs> yeah, just chucked back in. Yeah, just keep running. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just got an imagination of a scene of him like kicking the door down, running. The big burly man drags him back and then do it again. Like, yeah, <laughs> until he, like just until like he's running out on fire, kind yeah, of back and forth. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So. There is so that there is so about the harshness, the kind of mix of Wicker Man and misery that comes with the Nicholas Cage. That yeah, I do think that that's quite an effective like scene um, in the, in the remake, and it's probably the only good scene. In probably, the yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I can understand though from the Christianity uh, yeah, pagan I... angle of how how they've made it believable because of this character. Yeah, like and yeah. a lot of things that I think a lot of disbelief is play it purely because I think they've made such a kind of we completely understand this character yeah <laughs> me making noise yeah um, but it's kind of it's it's also like that he is going to be a martyr isn't he you know and that despite the fact that he's going to die he is going to be redeemed in the kingdom of heaven yeah and, and that's the way Christopher Leo almost tries to say it to him you'll be the martyr you'll be with the saints and you'll yeah. be with the you know it's like to a Christian man it's like ah oh, okay if that's alright then yeah no, I'll, I'll be I'll burn. Burn. Um, so yeah so obviously because the first thing is he's on top of the you know the, the cliffside yeah so there's that also the idea that he can't run away because he's going to get pushed up and then when he's down on the, the more you know the, they're down yeah they're lower to the ground when they come that but he's obviously they're still high up because you can still see the wicker man would still fall behind onto the cliffside yeah uh, but slightly lower down but um, yeah I think to get to the to the ending kind of yeah. thing. Um, and, and we talked, I think in the last episode, we talked a bit about this, about the the 70s and 80s having an ending where it just kind of ends on the whole. Yeah, just and, ends. And this one kind of, it. and there was a little, there was a little part of me that all I, and it was only a, a little thing just to, you know, because of what they're talking about, about the harvest and the fact that this will make it better, the harvest of the, they give the ale, they, they give yeah. the ale into the sea and then, you know, they've done the dances, they've done the sacrifice, they've done the pagan symbol and the, the islanders have gone through it in order to show yeah. their, you know, commitment to it. And then they've got the sacrifice and, and they've doubled down on the sacrifice because the Wicker Man is also full of a whole range of different animals that yeah. are inside of the Wicker Man, which a adds bunch. a horror, uh, an additional horrific part to it. Yeah. Uh, as you see it start to burn. Um, but but with, um, uh, yeah, as you're starting to hear the burning and the like as it's coming along, um, I've kind of lost. I've lost track of a little part of my idea that I was talking about before <laughs> that I was going to link to. Uh, it will come back around to me. 
Uh, I'll go with the burning for now. So yeah, just, um, just vibe with as it. As it starts freestyle. to burn, um, we start with him obviously, and he starts to kind of say this repentance, and he's still talking to the islands, yeah. trying to make them as they're all just like phased in their dancing and their music, and their, yeah. you know, again where the music plays such a, a vital role, they're they're completely. Um, drawn into it and I'm going to pause there because I've remembered my point ah, <laughs> my point was about the ending that comes so yeah. suddenly um, which it does and this one feels quite natural because it's a beautiful shot with the sunset that's quite yeah. nice oh it's beautiful um, and it does then have that um, the, 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 the sunshine symbol that comes which is a very kind of pagan kind yeah. of um, classic the sundial kind of thing um, the, the only one thing I do kind of wish we'd had and it literally all it would have been one shot is I kind of wish we'd had a determining factor of the crops, the harvest. I would have liked like one shot of either beautiful harvest, or no, I you know like a yeah. field or a thing. I would have I would have liked that. Just I feel like it just would have proven like given that proof of either what his character was saying, and that you know, and the kind of dark tones that come with these those islanders are never going to escape. If you see like withered fields or withered fruit at the end, just one little shot of like the withered fruit or the withered, would have given. I feel like just giving you that little extra context of he was right, and yes. the islanders are now going to live in this repeating cycle. They they've achieved nothing. Or if you'd seen it, it would have given a little bit more of that. I guess fantasy of it worked. Well, that's it. I think, but like, it leaves you open to the question. Yeah, obviously. I think regardless, the islanders will be stuck in the cycle because if they'll we, still come back yeah, to it. Yeah. If if they had a shit harvest, then they would have said, "Well, the sacrifice wasn't enough. We need more. Yeah. We need another." If it had been a great harvest, they'd have said, "Well, they need another." The sacrifice has to be that. Yeah. consistent I think the nice part is that is, is the words he says about Lord Summerhile yeah. that you know that the only person who could possibly live up to this afternoon is you you yourself kind of living yeah. up to this kind of power the only adult that has more power here is you um, I guess I like the little idea that if it was a withered crops you get the idea that he might be right he might be you next, have the idea yeah. that it would come back around to Lord Summerhile it, Maybe. this is going to come back to you in a bad way kind of thing you get that kind of a little bit of a Okay, he had a horrific death. He had a horror, but maybe he's he's right. But I think that's kind of goes but, back to what we said. Like films at the time ended on the twist, or ended on the horror, or even the resolution. Like yeah. they were like, "Well, that character's safe. Roll the credits, boys. Yeah, we're out." Some of them do it really you know? well, and I don't think that this is one that like some of those ones were almost too sudden. Yeah. Like there's almost there's there almost isn't the resolution. No, there's the that okay the the, the end of like what would say you say climax is kind of where you come to the end of a you know if they were in a battle the climax is what happens at the end of the battle maybe a little bit of the resolution is how did that battle end yeah but a resolution really in a good story would then follow with a little bit more of the resolute of like how the characters yeah. return to a normality. This one, though, I think there's enough there that you understand what is happening. Yeah, I think that's it. But it also leaves you with the lingering question, like I just said. Those are the what's in my head, is the lingering question left is, does it work, does it not work? Which I think works perfectly fine, because it's left to to us to decide. Do we believe it would have worked? Do we believe it would have been terrible? It's the same reason I don't believe, like, I, I believe until the director went off and did that other one. Yeah, he originally had an, um, he had the it's idea the for a one, the the one that I said is a perfect name about you. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, the, the worm. 
Uh, what a, the uh, lonely <laughs> landering worm, something like yeah, the, that. Yeah, the loathsome <laughs> the lantern worm. Ah, uh, that seems to be much better. Was Schaffer wrote a script treatment in 1989, so you know a good 16 years after of a sequel to this. But at the time, the director Robin Hardy kind of had no interest, and also kind of said. You don't need a sequel to this. Well, one, that's which it. Which I purely believe, and I, and I know he has gone on then to make what is believed <laughs> to be. There is the Wicker Tree, which I've never heard of. No. Um, and you know, it's almost one where it's like it's interesting, a spiritual sequel to it about the idea of it, which you know could totally work within the themes and stuff played. Um, but at the same time, I, I also feel at the end of this film, I'm like, I don't need any more. Like, no. That's, that's perfect the way it is because of such a. And interesting themes that they give you that leave you kind of lingering with questions yeah. in your head. I, I know um, the um, I know the Nicolas Cage one does have that very modern resolution of um, Nicolas Cage gets burnt alive, and then two women are in a nightclub somewhere, and they bump oh, yeah. into another two guys, and it's and we know those women are from the island, so we know that sacrifices going on sacrifices so going it, on yes, probably hasn't worked or, or they or, just or they think they just need to keep doing well, it well that's it but yeah and that's this one leaves you with the question of even if they've done the sacrifice are they going to be so scared that they're just going to have to keep doing it well that's it you know, like, that's part of it and again all those questions is why this makes it a strong like such a hell of a film hell of a film and so the only thing really we haven't talked about just to say is the, that burning scene but the animal sounds to me I didn't expect it I didn't expect it to affect me quite as much but almost the animal sounds alone was bad enough uh, yeah. the screaming of like the those like pigs that were like screeching and wailing and there were like uh, chickens I think are in there and you can hear their like squawks and, yeah. and the bars and you just hear all these animals and you hear them start to drown out but you hear them get louder and higher pitched and it's, it's as he's trying to shout at them yeah and then you know you get his last kind of his last kind of moment where he you know he's trying to go out and this kind of um, I'm at peace with you know not kind at peace of, with yeah. it, but he's trying to but you can tell he, you can tell how scared he is getting and this is why the, right. Edward Woodward's performance is so fantastic in this scene because it goes from someone who's at first he's almost in denial. Yeah. Then, as that he can feel the flames upon his feet, oh, you so see nice. the terror really rise in him. And that's when he gives that last speech as he's starting to burn, and then you just get screaming, and yeah. you just get, and it's such an unease. And then mixed with the complete content, content look of the islanders. Yeah. And this is natural. This is normal. Well, the singing, children, swaying. and men and women all together just swaying and happy and like this is a beautiful scene you know like yeah. Burning Man in America and it's like yeah. just like it's that it's like Burning Man if they decided every year to just drag someone up in the crowd <laughs> and you're like, this is how we do it this, this is what we do we yeah. burn one man you know um, but no that that's just it you know of what could push you to the point of making you think you know that you will sacrifice in order to get that you know just to have produce on your lap yeah you know the idea if you know it's the idea like right now it's like if i if i could they told me i could never have an apple again i have to sacrifice <laughs> you to have an apple again yeah. to get my produce it's like <laughs> you need that produce i, I need that apple <laughs> you need that apple <laughs> it's like when when's the last time you ate an apple well i have them occasionally but for some reason they're telling me i can't an have them again yeah and the, the, the problem that's the problem with our society the second we say you can't have it there's like 
but I want it. It's like you, you, you don't you're allergic it. to that. Yeah, you're allergic to you, that. I'll kill a man for it. It's like you take away my favorite. You take away my favorite. Like, yeah, they're, they're not going to sell Rice Krispies anymore. It's like I'll kill a man. To get yeah, rice I will kill a man. I will kill. I will find snap, crackle, and pop, and I will snap their neck. Yeah, I will crack their lungs, and I will pop their head off. Oh, unless yeah. you give me that goddamn rice. And it's like, do you like Rice Krispies? Fuck no, no I don't like Rice they're Krispies. They're disgusting and flavorless. Don't you take my yeah. Rice Krispies away? In fact, I just had a. I had a similar thing actually with. Um, uh, what is it? A lot of uh, streaming sites have started culling um, yeah. shows. Like Disney Plus has got rid of like 60 plus shows. And because there's no other outlet for them, it is basically like they've deleted these films. And like there was one or two of them that I'd actually quite liked. So I was a bit like, there's nowhere to watch this again. Because yeah. no one else has the rights to it. You're basically deleting those films forever. Which is mad to think they made these millions of dollars films and they're like, nah. yeah, but for tax breaks, let's fucking cut. Yeah. Or even like, I think one of them was Willow, which has literally been released like six months ago. Yeah. The TV series. And now it's got, it is good. I, I, I was like, I was watching it going, oh, that looks fairly interesting. It's one of those ones I was like, I probably never, but then I reflected at the same time and being like, a lot of this shows are look shit though. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, we even tried to like watch one before it was taken away and we're like, this one's shit. <laughs> yeah, this is um, dog shit. But at the same time, it was in my mind going, but you can't just... T-. I liked the idea that one day I could possibly <laughs> decide that I was going to watch that and now you're taking it from me. And it is this weird thing in your head is in one way, it's like, I feel sorry for the people that made it because it's like, your film is basically just like, bye. Yeah. It's gone. Like, it's, it's like dusted. <laughs> but at the same time, it's in the, this is that same mix in your head. It's like, what would you do for that? Would you kill someone you to kill? get your, to uh, your episode? To watch Willow season <laughs> one that was looked like it was never getting a season two, but would you kill a man to do that? Would you would kill you? a man to maybe one day want to maybe watch Willow? <laughs> yes. Probably. <laughs> to have that option. And, yeah. And sadly, yes, and I completely get that. The madness of the Islander, but to be fair, you can relate that to pretty much the modern world in so many ways, this idea of oh, the story. Yeah. It's scary if you think of it in a different context, not harvesting the produce. Just think of it of like, think of the environment yeah. and think about if they tell you basically you should only, if, if, if someone came to you today and said, you can only use tap water at this time and this time. Majority of people around the world would go, fuck you, I, I'm going to run my bath all day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, just turn, you just, you just see a person of a current, like, I'm not saying everyone, but a lot of people, you can just see them in the background slowly walking towards their tap. <laughs> yeah. And like, listening to the person saying, the world will end tomorrow if you don't just use that tap one hour a day. And you just slowly <laughs> see some people just turn slowly out. turning the tap <laughs> yeah. as they're talking, oh, going, yeah. it's like, what? Day. That could end the world. You fucking tell me what to do. Yeah. Well, look at just just stop oil, like uh, just stop oh, yeah. oil blocking the roads and stuff. And it's like a really valid thing. Like we were like a in our uh, best twists in horror. We were talking about soil and green. You yeah. Know, where the world's overpopulated, uh, greenhouse gases have like made everything so hot. Oceans are like drying up. I know where ocean levels are rising because of it and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, like the the world is like, you know, potentially like going to end because we've created a society that's so like reliant on this finite material. Oh, get out of the road! Get out of the road! Like they have a point, but it's yeah. like 
that's just how that we is. are as humans. It is, it is a scary point. We are the downfall of this world. We know, and sadly, it is a, it's one of those scary things in life that I almost feel like as a modern day adult, you basically have to come to the balance in your life of I need to work, I need to pay bills, I need to do these. I know impending doom is coming any day yeah. now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you kind of block that out. You have to go into your happy place of play on yeah. games <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I'm going to block out the world and midway through playing my game it's going to dawn on me that oh my god if I keep doing if we keep doing this the world's going to end and then you have to go and then I pick up my joint or my alcohol and <laughs> yeah. I just numb that for a while and that's pretty much the way that I feel like that's the way the world works it's, yeah. it sounds depressing but yeah you talked about Soul and Green last time and we basically said I could totally see in this in this world right now where people would go Okay, so basically, if we don't eat half the population, we die. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you get some breadcrumbs, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, if you basically add those 11 herbs and spices, <laughs> yeah. then, you know, I'm sure anyone can be okay. delicious. Yeah, human flesh is fine. I'll eat that. I'll be like, you know, and it, it just is. It's like you say you wouldn't do certain things, and yet certain people would. I, I know for if it got to a certain situation, I'd be like, basically, we haven't got any food left, um, but your dogs and cats are, you know, we could eat them. Yeah. It's like, ah, I'm not going to do that. It's like, but you'll die. Yeah. Nah, okay. Let me also put this, it also means that other things will die, like uh, you won't be able to use TikTok anymore. What do you mean I can't use TikTok anymore? <laughs> well, no, you're right. <laughs> what do you mean I can't use the internet anymore? We said you would die. Yeah, I don't care about that. Put that goddamn dog on the barbecue. Yeah, just make just make it look like a burger. Yeah, just make it look delicious. Yeah, just make it look like it's. Yeah. Like and then on TV, it gets to the point when Gordon Ramsay is like, "So basically, this is the delicious way to prepare your dog." Yeah. And that's society right now. It is. The Wicker Man relates to all of it. It does. And that's it's not I'm just. You might watch it and go, I can't connect with this old era British last of the summer wild world. <laughs> yeah. But in the context of it, it's completely true to the modern day. And yeah. it's why this film has endured a beautiful 50 years. And um, yeah, that episode went it went a different place than I was expecting. Yeah, especially I the enjoyed end. it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I like a little rant. Um, I mean, I don't have, to be honest, I think we've been talking for quite some time about yeah. it. It's a great film. It is. Um, but usually, I think this is a longer episode than usual. Um, and I don't really have much else to say about it. There was there was one thing that I loved, which I don't think I mentioned, and that was when they go when they're in the schoolhouse and they go to Rowan's desk. They open it and there's a beetle on a string, oh, yeah. on a nail, and the you know the, the beetle, little girl. the little girl, and they're like, "Why are you doing that?" And and the whole point is that the beetle thinks that it has free reign and it's walking itself into a circle until it gets tied up on the nail. Yeah. And it's just the perfect analogy for, for him. Film, yeah, and it's, him. Yeah. Well, it's him, isn't it? He it's is him. the, he he is is the, the beetle, beetle he doesn't realise. And I, I love the fact that he questions the girl and be like, then why do you do it then? He's just like... Mm. Well, she laughs. It's like, yeah, you know? it's like, you don't realise that you, you are. That's yeah. you. That's, I mean... <laughs> and that's why that's been left for you, because you are that beetle. Yeah. You are getting closer to your demise and you don't realise what you're doing. <laughs> I mean, I don't have anything else. Anything to say? No, I mean, as I said, in one context, I have, I, I don't have anything else. In another context, I could probably delve into the history, and I could do like several episodes, probably (laughs) just on pagan rituals and all of that folklore of history. But no, um, I I am, I am content with where we've got to. I am ready for the Wicker Man (laughs) to burn me. I have become at peace with 
peace with this world. Well, before we before we throw ourselves at the wicker man, um, I will go to the social media lounge. Um, so we've got a couple today. Um, so Dr. Darren Gray said, great film, absolutely masterful performance from Christopher Lee. He is genuinely disturbing and unnerving. Half price horror, a jaw dropping, amazing ending that hits hard even when you know the twist. And then you've got a uh, you've got a great uh, kind of one from uh, Stuart Bannerman, uh, as a kid born in seventy one and heavily into movies by seventy eight. I heard of The Wicker Man over the years and finally saw it for the first time around eighty three when I was twelve. The first viewing, I wasn't sure what I was watching as it was such a unique film. However, the ending haunted me for years. Over the years, I've seen Wicker Man a few times. It very much deserves its, its place in the list of classic British films, and I definitely have no plans to watch the remake. <laughs> um, and that's it, I guess. That's it. Time for us to give ourselves to the harvest. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, then please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a lovely review. You can come and find us and let us know what you thought about The Wicker Man at CMTH Podcast on TikTok, Instagram and Twitter. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.